Hey guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hey everyone, this is Chloe, and welcome to another episode of the Made for This podcast. This is part two of a Q&A that Jenny and I did, and if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go back and listen to that first. And today we're continuing this conversation, and Jenny's going to talk about her time in seminary, some of her favorite books she's ever read, and a little dream that she has always wanted to do. So I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode, and we are super excited because season three is coming. You guys, it's going to be amazing. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast you leave a review, give a five-star rating if you've enjoyed listening, and get ready. Because on January 28th, season three of the Made for This podcast starts. So thanks again for joining us today for part two of Ask Jenny Anything. So if you weren't in ministry, what would you be doing? Hmm. Well... I set out to be a producer of the news, and I still, deep down, wish I could do it. In fact, I was ahead of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound braggy here just because it's so entertaining. Get ready. I was ahead of my time. And if I would have created what I wanted to set out, what I set out to create from college, it would be winning. It would, it, would ha- it would have world dominance at this moment in time because I'll tell you what I wanted to create. I went to into broadcast journalism with a minor in political science, if people can believe that, because I wanted to go to Washington, D.C. and produce the news. And how I wanted, I didn't want to be on the news. I mean, it's sure, I, Haiti Kirk, I mean, sure, I would have loved to be on the Today Show. I would love all that stuff. But my ultimate goal and vision, because I'm such a visionary and was back then too, was I wanted to produce the news. And I was going to create a new way to do news. And the way was, that instead of saying, and this is before Fox News kind of made this 24-hour circ- news circuit like it is today, and this is before Fox originated. And then, that's why I say Fox, not because I just watch Fox News, y'all, but because they originated it. And then they also originated, so it's basically a 24-hour news cycle where, and I've heard the history about it, where they play the same story over and over again, and everybody gives their opinion. So it's opinion news that's on the same subject for 24 hours. And that model, which has obviously worked and become the way all news pretty much is done on the big stations, is changed us. And if I look back to the girl in college before that even was the pattern, at that point, broadcast in my classes, bias was nearly illegal. I mean, you, you couldn't as a, you couldn't be a viable journalist or reporter and have opinions. You, it, I remember writing my news stories and turning them in. And if there was ever a hint of what my opinion was, they would like mark it out in red. And so what I wanted to build was a place where there were no opinions shared. It was stories. And so if immigration was on the table, then go to the border and talk about jobs, talk about the, the difficult things about immigration and then tell the story of immigrants like tell both stories so that people can think for themselves because i think we want to think for ourselves but we don't we've lost the art we literally don't even know how to have our own opinion we watch twitter for our opinion we watch you know news cycles for our opinion or we talk to people we know but i think building our own opinion in an educated way to actually understand the stories and the nuance right we've lost nuance it's just this side or this side and 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 everybody's fighting you rather than you know what honestly when I sit down with an issue I usually can have empathy for both sides 
I mean, if it's if it's truly played out, and I understand both sides, like you know what, there's there's validity and truth to both sides, or we wouldn't be fighting. Like there's, you know, I know that every side on every issue thinks that the other side is completely unreasonable, but I usually can chase down like you know what, I don't agree with this side, but it's not crazy and it's not lacking compassion. Like usually it's just that they have compassion for different people. <laughs> and so, you know, abortion. I mean, one side has compassion for the baby. The other one has compassion for a teenage mom in poverty. You know, it's it's not like they're hateful people. They just, they view it, their compassion's got a side one or the other and everybody's choosing what side, you know. Now, you know, the fight there and where I land is pro-life because we're talking about life and death for, for one. So, and I believe life begins at conception. But, you know, that that's not what everybody believes. And so their compassion is just, it's falling in a different place. And I think that's what I wish we spoke like toward each other is understanding that that the other side isn't evil. They're coming at it with different belief system. They're coming at it with different values. They're coming at it with different passions. Like I have great compassion. While I'm pro-life, I also am like, we need to be eliminating poverty. We need to be helping build systems where mothers can more easily get better health care in impoverished areas like I believe in pro-life everywhere right like not just with a, in the womb but also the the life of that mother and what they need and how to help them thrive and building a world where those women are taken care of so I you know that that's my big dream I still have that dream obviously you get me talking about it I still think it's needed I haven't seen it done well yet I've talked to people in I mean, in the industry, a new friend that I've made that's at NBC News that I love her so much and she loves Jesus and she, I won't say her name, but she working her way up and she's got that same exact vision. And when she told it to me and she's doing it kind of underground and their digital stuff. And I mean, I just, I am like, Lord, just raise up those people in every industry that can kind of bring redemption and compassion and love to it. What would you call your network or would it be a network or a show? Sure. I mean, if we're dreaming, let's build a go network. Big. Let's go big. Here's the thing. I believe in I believe in people. Maybe too much sometimes. I think people are reasonable. I think if you help them understand somebody else's point of view, I think they they work with more compassion. And so I think the news should be a, do a better job of of showing compassion. And go back to my professor. I will never forget. It was an African American, and I can't remember his name. My professor. He was a fantastic. I just remember how much red ink he would use on my stories. But he taught me to write. It's why I write so succinctly. Like my sentences are pretty short, and in punchy because I learned to write as a as a journalist. And yeah, I think he made me a better writer. And he and he taught me to to not make assumptions about people and to not make assumptions about subjects, but to go research it. And to go, I'm gonna, and so I mean, just to let's we're really playing this out. I don't know, if, I don't know if y'all are bored to death or interested in this, but it's one reason that I don't speak about things I'm not educated on. I mean, I was taught you don't you don't approach you don't write even a 200 word piece without doing 200 hours of of work on it. You know, so it taught me like you don't you don't speak about things you're not educated on. And I I mean I appreciate all those classes because I think and even that I'm like golly what if what if the major networks just obeyed that? I mean, everybody's talking heads about everything. You know, they have the same people talking about every subject. And I'm like, golly, like there's real people that spend their entire lives on immigration. And I know they'll have those people on and all that, but they don't even let them talk long. You know, like, hey, I want to hear from this person. They've given their life to this work. So I think that just not being quick to speak about everything when we may not understand the nuance and all the issues that they're that the people are really facing and i think that's what our culture is craving because of the rise of all these like shows on netflix like 
Reese Witherspoon's really cute show where she's like getting people's stories and what's the other I hope a change is coming I think it might be I mean we're all sick of this we're all mm-hmm. sick of the way the news is being reported we saw that in 2016 we're headed into 2020 and there's got to be a change it just didn't work like it's it's just it's not building a climate of hope and a climate of relationship and in a climate of moving forward i like that what are the three most influential books you've ever read oh gosh okay well i mean this is easy because i put them on repeat all the time aw tozer the pursuit of god read it regularly in fact almost every time i write a book i read it before i write it because no matter what i basically want to repackage that and give it away over and over again and with different themes the next one is wayne grudem's systematic theology it taught me to love theology it's the reason i went to seminary I read it cover to cover when I was in my 20s, and it taught me about God, and I needed to learn about God because I was a teacher. I knew I had the gift of teaching, and I was teaching everywhere, and I didn't know what I was talking about. So I'm such a lover of theology because the more we understand who God is, who we are, and what the earth is for, the more we will live rightly into it. So I hope everybody that reads me and that listens to this podcast senses and is not surprised that I call myself a theologian because I hope that's what I'm always giving you is a sound understanding of who God is and what his word says and why we're here, which good theology should cause in your life. My next one would be um, Humility by Andrew Murray. And I think that one, and again, I could cry talking about all three of those books and how they've shaped me, but I think that one matters the most to me and I read it the most often. And the reason why is because of what I do And there's a deep fear in me that somewhere I would lose my humility. And by humility, I don't mean like (laughs) probably what you think of when when you hear humility. What I mean is that I would have a rightful view of God. That's what, that, that I have a rightful view of myself and a rightful view of God. And I, I value and prize that so much because I want to end well. And I don't, I have been given, you know, I've been given a lot of your trust and I've been given a lot of influence and, you know, there's a lot of people that have a lot more, but to me, it's a lot and, and uh, enough to make me feel really sober about what I do with it and to make sure that I'm humbly like taking people to Jesus and not to myself. We're in a culture where it's just really widely accepted that you can build a platform and, and you should, and people should, you know, follow you. And, and again, it's, I'm part of that. I mean, it's not like I'm not writing books or not, you know, on a podcast here. But I hope all of it for me and what I pray and why I read that book all the time is I hope that it is making much of God and that what people know of me is him. That rightful view of God and that rightful view of myself helps with that. You know, I can't I can't get all my words perfectly right or make sure that I'm never boasting or you know, I don't think that's humility. I think humility is just understanding your position and understanding God's and I and so I think that's what I'm always trying. That's why I love pursuit of God too it's just it's just this big God and before him we just feel like all we want to do is worship it's just and we want to help everybody else worship and I hope that's what my work does I hope and for anybody listening who's curious about systematic theology there actually is a podcast that Wayne Grudem did years ago I think it's him teaching through the entire book and they're all free and if you go on like Apple Podcasts or probably anywhere podcasts are and search Systematic Theology or Wayne Grudem, they pop up and we'll make sure to put them in the show notes. But those have been huge for me because, you know, there's only so much time in the day to read really dense the- theological books sometimes. But listening to those has been awesome because it walks through each chapter. 
Okay, what advice would you give someone who has tried to make deep friendships and it's not reciprocated? Didn't we do a whole podcast on that? Didn't we do a whole season? Find another friend. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. People, some people don't have capacity. Some people aren't people. People, they're cranky. Some people are, don't like you. That's okay. It's just, that's just the way it is. Move on. Move on. Keep trying. Don't quit. Don't get discouraged. Just don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't make it a bigger deal than it is. Like, just don't get it secure. Just go to the next person. And if that doesn't work out, go to the next person. If eventually you've been to like 10 people, you might need a counselor. You might need to go, what's wrong with me? Why, why don't I have friends? I mean, there really might be some like unhealthy, like codependency or something you need to work through. I'm not, I'm not joking about that. Like that really might be where, you know, if you're sitting there going, gosh, I've never been able to make good friends, go to counseling. Pay someone to be your friend for a little while. And by friend, I mean what a friend should be is somebody that tells you the truth. (laughs) It's a good friend. That's what Proverbs says. So um, pay them to be your friend for a little while to get you in a healthy place. That's nothing to be ashamed of. We've all done it. Those of us that are healthy. I, I always say I don't know many healthy people that haven't been to counseling. So, you know, do it and and come out of it. Learn better what it looks like to have healthy friendships. Some of you don't have friends. Because you're just dang busy. Some of you don't have good friends because you live in a little bitty town and there's not. And I would say just don't categorize a good friend as someone in your exact life stage, as someone in, you know, your same age. Chloe is one of my best friends. I had to call her awkwardly and tell her that when I was with my sister in Colorado, we were at my sister's birthday. And my sister, because she works on a dude ranch, she has friends of every age. Some of them are like 21. And Chloe's a lot younger than me. Like, and so, but yeah, she's one of my best friends. I had to call her from that that retreat and say, Hey, I just want you to know, I know we work together, but you're one of my best friends because we spend so much time together and we like each other. I think I like you. I like you too. So I, it doesn't matter. Like life stage doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. Like you, you just got to cross every barrier and just find the people that are following after Jesus and, mm-hmm. and go with them. Look outside your circles too. I think sometimes people get stuck in certain realms in your church or your community and you miss out on who could be outside because it's not who you thought would be your friend. Okay, let's see. Let's see. We get a lot of questions about your time in seminary. How did you decide to go? So my husband was going. He was about to go. He had been in ministry, youth ministry for several years. And I was teaching my Bible left and right. And it was my dream. I remember awkwardly telling somebody on New Year's Eve, a group of new friends that I had, they went around and said, like, what's your dream? What do you dream of? And or like, if you could do anything, what would you do? And everybody was like, oh, I'd live on an island. You know, everybody's was like cute and fun. And I was like, I'd go to seminary. And these are like new friends. And they were like, okay, you're so weird. But it really was my dream. Like, I just wanted to go so bad because I'd read at that point, I'd read Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology cover to cover. I'd been discipled by somebody going to seminary. And so she was for coming home and teaching me everything she could. And I just realized that that I wanted to know God as well as you could on earth. I know that sounds really dramatic, but I did. I wanted to know everything there was to know about my Bible. I was teaching it already. And I wanted to be sure I was doing that correctly. I do not think by any stretch of the imagination to teach the Bible, to do ministry, in any context, you need to go to seminary. But I think you need to be very committed to studying very hard if you don't. You don't want to get God wrong if you're talking about him all the time to other people because then you're giving everybody a wrong God. And I remember my husband, when I said, I got worked up the courage to say I would love to go. He looked at me and said, well, candidly, I'm scared if you don't go (laughs) because I'm scared you're just going to you know, butcher <laughs> because you're talking about him and you're passionate and let's let's get this right. And so we used our entire, entire life savings at the time. 
and we didn't have a lot, but we had inherited a little bit of money from a relative and we used every penny, I believe. And we were poor. We were renting a little house with two kids. I graduated nine months pregnant, had my daughter a week after I walked and graduated from seminary. Took three years to do a two-year degree. And I took mostly summer classes, Christmas classes, you know, one or two on a Tuesday and Thursday. People were like, how did you do it with young, young kids? I didn't do anything else. I didn't have other Bible studies. I didn't have, I didn't play tennis. I didn't you know, I didn't do anything else. That's what I did for three years. And I wrote 20 page papers at night after they went to bed. But I never, ever minded. I just, I loved it that much. It fed my soul. And I'm still that girl. Like, I love being in that environment. I mean, I would love to go back and go again. I don't know that it makes any sense. And it's so expensive. But yeah, I just, I'm such a learner. Like, I just always want that to stay a part of who I am. You never get to the end of understanding God, you know. So I had really good professors. It's a seminary where I don't agree with absolutely everything they taught, but most of it I do. And the professors I had were humble, and they were good at teaching both sides of of doctrinal issues within orthodoxy. It was helpful. I just I feel like again it, it built compassion in me. It, I'm not I'm not a, a seminary jerk. You know the people that walk out and like you know like this is the right way. Like I never really ever get in those kind of fights with people because about the things of God, it's like, well, when it comes to is there free will or is he fully sovereign? I'm like, I think there's a little bit of mystery to that. <laughs> and my sweet professor used to say, embrace the tension. Embrace the tension that somehow he's both. Scripture definitely is clear that we have free will and scripture is definitely clear that God is omniscient and knows all things and that he's fully sovereign over them. So like somehow it's both. And I think that's what you walk, I walked out of seminary with is a ton of humility of I don't even begin to understand like the hem of his garment. I'm in awe of him. I love him more because of the experience. I hope that it has shaped in a healthy way my teaching and everything that I give away, that there's a groundedness to it because there's a lot of work. You know, when I'm teaching on the podcast, when I'm giving you guys those episodes where I teach, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? That teaching is rooted in decades of study. That's that's what I'm pulling from. I'm pulling from decades of study. And it's cool because, you know, those notebooks are on my shelf. At the time, we didn't have laptops. So uh, back when I went, which is crazy, or they were just too expensive for me to own one. But they were, you know, so what's in my closet right now, currently at the top of my closet is about 100 three ring binders. And I pull them off every time I'm about to teach on a subject. I'll pull off, you know, two or three of them and look back at them. So I'm really grateful. And Zach always says, don't take for granted your knowledge. And what he means by that is make sure you also, like don't just speak as if they know what you know. Pull them along. Give them a theology and understanding of sadness. You know, get, help them have that same knowledge. You know, and, that, and that's what I felt. I remember being in seminary. I think I wrote about this in a book. I remember being in seminary and just weeping in the back because I felt like, how, how come I get all this? Like, so few people get this much of God. Like so few people can just feast like this where they just think about God for three whole years and think about angels and think about um, heaven and think about hell and think about theology of sanctification, which means basically our walk of faith. Without, with how, how does that work? And justification, which is basically what happens to us when we're saved. So all these big, deep things, but they mean so much to us. Like they mean so much to you. They mean so much to everyone, even if you don't ever think about them. They mean a lot to you. I remember just crying and thinking, okay, I have to go give this away with the rest of my life. I hope I'm doing a good job with that.
You are very much so. So, I mean, to the person listening who seminary is just not in the cards. I mean, even for me, like seminary is not in the cards. What are some of your favorite tools that we could go either get today from the library or wherever, listen to that could help us understand our Bibles more? Mm -hmm. So everybody needs a few good commentaries. The first most basic ones I think we we ever owned were Bible knowledge commentaries. There's a New Testament and Old Testament one. That's a great thing to get right away. Absolutely get Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. What I like about it is it's written really simple, and it's written based on questions. So it's like, you know, what are angels? And I mean, it's it's when I find out that somebody's feeling called to teach the Bible, a young woman, I will gift them these things because I do feel like those were my most basic helpful tools. And I've told young women before that are called to, to, to preach or to teach, I've told them, you know, you don't have to go to seminary, but you're going to, you just have to commit to study hard if, if you don't. So another resource that I hope it's still in print is a book by Tommy Nelson, not just the publisher, Tommy Nelson, it's actually, his name is Tommy Nelson. And it's called The Big Picture. And it's the big picture of the Bible. It's the story of the Bible. And that was super helpful. Until I understood the big story of the Bible, it was hard to figure out like prophetic books and um, the Psalms, like where they fit and how all these different types and styles of books work together to make my Bible. And that really helped me understand the history of the Bible and not in an academic way, in a really story way. Like you'll love that book. I hope it's still out there. And we'll give links to all of this below. Of course, some of you, I mean, it's, it's expensive, but Logos is a great resource. I use it almost every single time I'm preparing a talk. Certainly every time I'm doing an in-depth study of for a Bible study or anything like that, I am pretty deep into resources within Logos. Another one that has shaped my view of theology and continues to is Tim Keller. His sermons and his podcast, we have recommended it to many of you many times, but he has continued to teach me and to give me healthy theology. I think at his core, you know, I think there's Bible teachers, which are like verse by verse, like they, let's start with Ephesians 1, 1, and now Ephesians 1, 2, there's those people. And then I think there's more theologians. And I think Tim Keller's more in that category, even though we both would consider ourselves Bible teachers. I think I'm more of like a motivational theologian is what I would call myself like at my core, is I'm trying to help people understand the big picture and how that changes their lives. And I'm using the Bible to do that. But ultimately, I'm after you understanding who God is, what he's done for us, and how that changes everything. And that's theology, you know. So those are going to be typically where I do work. I think having an understanding Greek and Hebrew and all that, y'all don't. We're going to be in heaven soon. And we've got work to do. And if we try to overthink this for too long, we're missing souls. Like, let's go about the work of God with what you know. Always growing and learning more because there's no end to him. And my favorite professors who have given their lives work to understanding God and giving him away. They still are learners. They're still readers. They are still learning. So we can do that for the rest of our lives. But if that's the end, that's not the end goal, right? The only reason we learn is so that we can give it away. We'll know everything. We'll get to heaven and we will know everything about God. (laughs) So we don't need to like absolutely understand everything before we start giving him away. Some of the best evangelists in the Bible were the ones that just got saved a minute ago. You know, the woman at the well, she goes and tells the whole city. She says, she, you know, go, go with what you know. And as you're going, keep knowing more. We are so excited to partner with Paul's Leather Co. this spring. 
Every single Bible that Paul's Leather Co. makes is personal and unique because it's full grain leather cowhide. And you can put whatever version of the Bible you want. They're also awesome. If you have a Bible that you've loved your whole life, but the cover's falling off or it's like starting to crack, you can send your loved Bible in and they will recover it with this leather cowhide. So just for you guys, our Made for This listeners, if you use the discount code Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, at paulsleatherco.com. You can get free shipping on any Bible. And we cannot wait to see your pictures and your Bibles that you order. And we hope you guys enjoy them as much as we have.